Hello and welcome to the, I don't know what, episode of Footnote. And as usual, it's Daphne and I'm joined by Kevin again. Say hi to the people, Kevin. Hi again, guys. Uh, happy to be back. Very excited to, to get into this. After our wonderful predictions and... <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, How's the tournament been going for you? I've absolutely enjoyed it. It has been so much that I did not expect. Mm-hmm. A lot of how I thought it would play out has actually not gone according to plan. So <laughs> I'm, I'm loving it, man. I'm loving it. I like all the all the shocks and surprises. What has been for you the most interesting game of the tournament? Let's start with game of the tournament. Ah, oh, game of the tournament. I definitely think France-Switzerland. Was, I think that was my most interesting game. Yeah. Because at that point, the other guys that I'm, I'm rooting for are out, so I'm trying to be petty and stuff. Yeah. And then there's like a, the whole comeback from Switzerland, and then it goes into penalties, like the banter, <laughs> everything about it was a really good game. Croatia and Spain was also a good one. Which game in the group stage did you enjoy? We're not going to go deep into all the group stage stuff because we talked about that and we, you know, I predicted very horribly and I had some terrible hot takes, but that's not going to stop me now from having hot takes. It's fine. In the group stage, which game or which group in, did you enjoy most? Were you surprised by? What team were you surprised um, by? I think I remember being here and I wasn't really counting on the Czech Republic to do a lot. Yeah, yeah, I remember this now. Well. <laughs> was it not was it not Ukraine actually? Same, same for mm. them. Same for them. Actually, now that you mention it, I think Ukraine even more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't know how these guys are in the quarterfinals. That that surprised me. But Ukraine and the Czech Republic, those two have I think had a really, really good tournament. If they're going out in the next stage, they can go out to their heads held high. Yeah, I must say for Ukraine, I've been surprised by Mini De Bruyne. What's Mini Zinchenko? I've been surprised yes. by I've been surprised by how well he's played. And I don't know. He he's surprised me. It's not often that you get a city player at that level who's yeah able to surprise you because you just generally know oh this person does this and this and this so so well but actually no didn't really know a lot about Zinchenko kind of in an attacking sense yeah I think it also has a lot to do with you're looking at the roster the squad that they have and Zinchenko is playing for Manchester City so there's also that expectation that the country has and definitely like some players are going to take on the responsibility. Yeah. It's good to other players. I think it has a lot to do with his mental thought process and stuff, like dealing with the weight of expectation. Like everyone else in the squad is looking up to you because your team was in the Champions League final. Yeah. So step up. And he definitely has. Yeah. And I think they also have the right coach for that in, in Shevchenko, who's played at the highest levels of the game and he's still relatively young enough to be able to pass on his knowledge so those those are interesting teams for me the team that surprised me and it really shouldn't have was Denmark even before all the tragic stuff with Ericsson happened when I looked at their starting lineup and it was Delaney Ericsson and Hoiberg in their midfield then I realized I was like "Mm, this team is actually a lot better than people think it is and then obviously Ericsson gets injured and then he's out then it's still uncertain but then they have 
players playing in Barcelona, they have players playing in Dortmund, in Leipzig. They're actually very good players. Vestergaard is an incredible defender. Schmeichel, of course, back to the goalkeepers again. So I was, in a way, caught off guard by Denmark. In a way, I shouldn't have. Because if you look at their squad for two minutes, it's like, this is an incredibly talented team. We shouldn't be as surprised. Um, I think also the fact that Ericsson is out of the tournament so early and then... They, they lose the game. Yeah. And you think it's just going to be a sorry party and uh, group stages are done, they're eliminated. And then they come and the last two games they've scored eight goals. <laughs> that's incredible. What's going on here? Hold on. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that's a good choice, I think. It's playing out for them. Like They've got a good game for the quarterfinals, so they could actually have a really, really good tournament. They might be the wells of the last Euros. Well, now they're going against the Czech Republic, and that's too... I don't want to use the the D word because it became a curse for Turkey, but those are the two dark horses. <laughs> they're oh staring at each other. I don't think I've ever seen a more disappointing team in a tournament than Turkey in this tournament. And I'm speaking as someone who was supporting Germany in 2018. Oh, Turkey. <laughs> Turkey got it all wrong um, from the first game. These are dark horses and they clearly didn't come to win the game. And you look at all these other teams. Um, uh, you're looking at Switzerland against France and they are attacking. And they're playing very positive food. This has been a, a Euro. Of, like it's a, it's a lot about believing. Like Don't fear the bigger teams. Come and play the football and let's see what happens. I was saying, uh, Turkey against Italy, there's, there was no positivity at all. Just parking the bus, waiting for their one moment. The moment doesn't even come. And from there, it just all started to go downhill. But that's the thing. Like, I've seen Turkey play, I think it was again in the friendly where they, or in Nations League, I'm not sure, where they ended up 3-3 with Germany. And they did that so well. Germany came and scored three goals against them. And they said, you know what, it's fine. We're going to sit back. We're going to be defensively disciplined. And we're going to counterattack. <laughs> And, the, and they ended up drawing the game. And that's the thing Turkey has been able to do. They've been able to be defensively disciplined. But somehow that just all completely got lost. <laughs> it, was re- it, was, it was sad. Yeah, and, and then it just they just couldn't get back. But anyway, so Denmark Denmark then played against Wales, and I was very disappointed in Wales because yeah. as much as much as Denmark had talent, Wales could have taken that game. Wales could have showed up and taken the game. Yeah, um, Bell had some seaters in that game. Yeah, early on. Yeah, and he really shattered, and the game might have gone completely different. And yeah. yeah, so I think, yeah, I think Denmark, I don't know, maybe they're just so well coached or something like this. Um, tell me about Portugal. Oh, Portugal. <laughs> oh, yes, I've remembered. Sorry. I've remembered what I wanted to say because it links to Portugal and then you can yeah. speak about it. What I wanted to say is the teams shouldn't be like you were saying, the teams shouldn't be afraid of these big teams. Because if yeah. you looked at every single one of the big teams, they had structural problems in them so in a way you have to turn up and and not play against the ghost of the team but actually play the team like if you looked at france's france's defense and i said this in the previous podcast that france's defense is is not is not solid it's not solid at all you can (laughs) you can easily break through that defense and because they were having a lot of issues in their camp, which is starting to come up now. Um, and then Germany as well with that lack of, like, theirness, you know. They needed someone who can say, okay, I'm going to grab grab this game 
and just go away with it. But Germans don't play like that. They should never, I'm saying this in quotes, it yeah. has to always be a team thing. So there's no player who's who's going to go supernova and just carry the team. That's that's true. Yeah, and then with Portugal, like I said, I don't know if I want to get all the Ronaldo stands, but the truth is Fernando Santos has talent that's going to take him the next 10 years. And he should start integrating that talent now. The World Cup will be, might be a step too late. So with all those things in consideration, if as Hungary did, and I'll leave you to speak about Portugal now, if you look at the team in front of you and say, I'm just going to go with it, you'll get the results. So Portugal, what happened there? With Portugal, it felt like there was a disconnect. You have Cristiano Ronaldo up front. Yes. He hit them the five goals. Mm. But then in the middle of the park, Bernardo Silva, the whole thing of uh, Jean Montigno starts this game. Then you have Paulinha starting the next game. It didn't gel. Bruno Fernandes, they didn't know how to utilize him, benched him. So they kind of started to seem like they arrived at the tournament and they were still figuring out what the perfect Yeah, meant. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Cristiano could only do so much. I think he had a good tournament, mm-hmm. but I'd say the rest, the same thing for the rest of the team. Bernardo mm. uh, Silva was, it, it was flashes. Mm. Um, I think Renato Sanchez was was really good. Yeah, yeah. It shows a lot of tournament form. Yeah. But beyond that, in the midfield, I think that's where it all went wrong. There was not enough service to Cristiano. You're watching Portugal games. I think. Do you think besides, it was? Do you think it was the personnel choice or the actual individuals in the midfield? I think it was an issue of personnel. Okay. Players didn't seem like they'd been playing routines together. They didn't seem like. They've been building the chemistry amongst themselves. Mm. And you have Jota. I promise you, at times it felt like Jota was playing for himself. Like <laughs> playing on island. No, Cristiano and Jota, I don't think those guys are friends. I don't think they're seeing eye to eye. But it, it did have that sense of a unit. Yeah. It did have that sense. I think the defense was fine, except for that game against Germany. Cristiano was was okay. He was getting the goals. But then the whole mix-up in midfield, not having that firm group of players that uh, Fernando Santos knows these is these are my guys. These are the guys I'm starting with. Uh, mixing up William Cavallo, Renato Sanchez, Jota. Mm. Um, there, there was Rafa Silva. There was just that area just failed to gel, and, and that that for me that's where the issue was. There wasn't enough support going forward. Mm. A lot of games you, you didn't really see a lot of attacks building with Portugal. It felt like it was inshallah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So no, they did not. I didn't. They didn't have a great tournament. So people have been saying that the way you play a tournament is is you don't concede goals. First, just don't concede goals. And then if you score a goal, one or two, it's fine. Then you'll progress. Do you agree with that? And then with that, do you think that what I observed from their games, I think that Santos was a bit too conservative and I understood completely why he he benched Bruno in the last game. Because if you want control in in your midfield, that's not your guy. That is not your guy. Because... The man gets the ball and it's just forward. He's a chaotic player. And I think if you released him, then let the people behind him playing the defensive role defend, you know, that's all they're doing. Then you can get, because like what you said was that they were struggling to get the ball from midfield to Cristiano. And we know that Bruno is the guy, like he's the guy who gets the ball from the midfield into the attack. And... (laughs) Someone actually said on Twitter, at Nigerian scams, he said that these Portuguese players play like they all hate each other. I thought that 
was true. Like, it, 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 yeah, so what do you think that Santos couldn't get his defensive balance correct? Do you think what I'm saying is maybe even Fernandez is never going to be that player for Portugal for the fact that he is too chaotic for a tournament? Too chaotic for a tournament? Yeah. I don't think. I think. First of all, he's, he's a world-class player. Yes. Um, he's had systems. I mean, at, at United, we are playing with uh, Fred and McTominay, so Bruno can have his freedom to do all this forward think, like be forward thinking, uh, always looking for a way to go. Yeah, These but guys, I'm sorry, just there. Well, I added in that that is usually United on the front foot. Yes. Yeah. But what I don't get is. He had Renato Sanchez, he had William Carvalho, he had Paulinho, like mm. all these molded in the CDM. These were CDM kind of players, or central mm. midfielders. And then he has Bruno, so he could definitely give Bruno Fernandes that freedom. Yeah, so but I don't know why he didn't just do that. Because he wants his team to play compact, his defense cannot be too far away from his attack. They have to be playing compact to each other. Do you get what I'm saying? Whereas, if you think of United, they'll usually be, if Maguire is at the edge of the penalty area, Cavani's at the other edge of the penalty area. If they're in the box, if the attackers are in the box, then United's back line is at the halfway line, you know. Santos doesn't want all that. He wants his area compact. The team shouldn't be too far from each other. And you should be able to make, I think, passes to transition out of that and move up the pitch a lot slower than, than a team in transition would be doing. Yeah. So that's why I think, one, he, he won't play just one holding midfielder and... He would always play two, if not three. And yeah, it's just vibes and inshallah how the ball will get from there to, to the attackers. Yeah, because at later stages in the towards round of 16, their option going forward was Renato Sanchez. Yeah. Like he was the one to drive the ball forward and try to pick up the pass, spread the ball to um, Jota or Bernardo Silva or into Cristiano. Mm. And I mean, he, he's good, but that can't be your guy. He can be your guy. But he's not yet the guy. Yeah, he's not yet. He's not yet. He's not yet. So from uh, with Portugal, yeah, they just the middle of the pack just wasn't sorted out. Before we go I to, no, if yeah, no, I'm listening. I was, just, I was just going to say I don't know if Fernando Santos can honestly expect what you just described to keep working. I mean, they didn't convince everyone when when they won Euros in 2016. Yeah, and even this tournament. Yes, they had the squad, but the football is not convincing. That's so, true, but the thing is, they won the tournament the last time. And they won the yeah. Nations League, remember? They won two competitions yeah. playing like that. Before we move on to Belgium, because Belgium beat Portugal 1-0, I just want to talk about that Group F, which had Hungary, Portugal, Germany, and France. I've thought of those three teams. I've been thinking of those three teams a lot and thinking about which team am I not certain for for 2022. And I think it's Portugal. For the things that we've described is that France's problems are probably they just need to sit down and chat to each other and just lay out all their grievances and move on. Yeah. You know, that's probably what's happening in France. They'll probably be fine in for World Cup. And if they're not and they're not very happy with Rabio or whatever, or Benzema gets sentenced to jail, there's people coming <laughs> from the under 21s. It's fine. <laughs> In Germany's case, I want to know who's going to replace Manu Neuer. I want to know that within this year. 
who is going to be his replacement. But beyond that, they're getting a coach who's worked with them, who's scouted them, who has worked in the system. I think they should be fine. I don't know about Portugal. Portugal is the one that I'm not sure. I don't know. Are they going to fix their problems? Are they? Because what I think for them is a fundamentally different philosophy is that Santos, he came up and he's managed this team when resources were so little. So there were two or three good attacking players. So he said, right, we're going to defend and we're going to be hard to break down and our good players are going to be able to get us goals. But now suddenly you want to tell the guy, relax, man, take this weight off your shoulders. You will have good attacking players. You have good defensive players. You don't have to just be defensive, you know? You can work with the attack and and be able to win tournaments and things like that. But I don't know. I don't know if he's there yet. I'm not sure if he's going to be like, nope, I'm going to stick to what won me this and what won me that. So Portugal is the one I'm not sure about. And of course, we can't forget Joao Cancelo was out. Maybe, yeah, that was a big... Maybe this tournament plays completely differently if Joao Cancelo is playing. I think that's valid. I think that's valid. But um, I, I like that point that you've made. I think Santos needs to recognize that he has way more resources now. Yeah. And maybe time he thought about changing his approach to the games. Mm. But then... Might just be as stubborn as Mourinho, and <laughs> that's the case. Then. Well, I hope not. I hope they, not. They genuinely have yeah. players that you would want to watch. The team—it's an exciting team. You look at the team on paper, and you want to watch their games. And the fact that it's not happening—that's that—it's disappointing. It was a disappointing tournament. Then also, I wasn't like so convinced by Belgium. Like it was a one-nil defeat. Mm. But it's okay, we'll get to Belgium eventually, I guess. But then... No, let's talk about Belgium. Game, let's talk about Belgium. That game did feel like it could have gone either way. Why do you think that was? I mean, if we're looking at uh, the group games that Belgium played, mm. there was definitely a lot more of them going forward. Lukaku, De Bruyne, of course, yes, De Bruyne got injured early on. Mm. In this game, Portugal definitely did... I think they did have like the better game actually because from the point they conceded they definitely started to chase the game and <laughs> there was a little bit but so yes um, Belgium scored a, a long range goal from outside the box that's really like you look you can't see your options take the shot so it wasn't the most convincing win that's why I think it could have gone either way I think and I'll give credit to Portugal for this for not creating chances and yes before De Bruyne got injured he just was not getting onto the ball and I think that's just because the Portuguese players were sitting on him and then once that happens and once De Bruyne is taken out Lukaku feels like he has to do everything and you could see like he's trying to to go and collect the ball he's trying to be forward he's trying to get in space for the passes and at the end of the day a win is a win and that strike was beautiful by of course by the Bundesliga players so I'm obviously going to be I'm not going (laughs) to say anything about it but what do you think their chances are against Italy oh man that's I think when I look at the Czech Republic and Denmark Belgium Italy those two games are very difficult Belgium Italy I don't know what version of Belgium is going to show up Mm. but Italy has been very consistent I know the version of Italy that we're going to see is the same that because they've really played the same game dominated teams Belgium I, I don't know so currently I'm leaning towards Italy because they've just been solid they've been consistent they're full of goals what I'll say about Italy is yes they've played their own game but remember except for 
a marginal offside. Italy is out of this tournament because Austria had played them. Through those 90 minutes, Austria played them completely well. So Italy came, they did their crosses, they did everything. Austria just did not break down. And at the end of the day, after 120 minutes, it literally was exhausted Austrian players and fresh Italian attackers was where those goals came out from. I think because one was... Two of them, yeah, were from defense, defense being caught out of place. And I think that might have shocked... Mancini a a bit that this Austrian team could play them like that and I guess what I would almost say that Austria is a bit more defensively solid than Belgium just for the fact that um, Belgium's defense is quite old but but Belgium have Thibaut Courtois we've seen him pull amazing saves in this tournament no he's been good yeah so I was actually yeah that was another game that surprised me and I was really hoping for Austria to get over the line because man I just want good things to happen for David Alaba at every time Time, like wishing him blessings and everything at all times. So then the winner of that, if I'm right, goes on to fa- oof, win a quarterfinal two against win a quarterfinal one, which is either Spain or Switzerland. Spoken yeah. a bit about Switzerland. Tell me about Spain and Morata. <laughs> Uh, um, Spain has actually, all things considered, they've played better than I expected. Mm. They have the most goals, I think, in, in the tournament. I did not see Spain playing this well, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that, I was wrong for that. Pedri. Mm, I, I honestly don't watch so much of La Liga games, yeah. so I've just been here. But, but he's really good, he's really calm on the ball. Pedri with Busquets, mm. they're just dominating teams, man. They're looking good. Morata, he's, he's, he's a season player. He's, he has some experience now. I don't think you bench him. He'll, he'll get you a goal. Mm. And I kind of understand why Enrique is sticking by him, like all the negative press he's getting, all the pressure that he's getting from fans. Yeah. I'm not entirely on the side of bench Morata, bring on Gerard Moreno. Yeah. I think either of them, Spain is good because their midfield is... It's just that good. Yeah. What do you think Switzerland's best chance is of winning this game? I just suck up the pressure and hit them on the counter attack, but no. Clearly, in especially in these knockout stages, that has not been the plan that has won these teams' games. So I think they should just come out and play. They mm. should just come out and play, put pressure on Pedri, put pressure on Bushkets, don't allow them too much time on the ball, because then they're just going to tear you out. Yeah. So they should just come, be positive. It's the quarterfinals. They've made people proud. Xhaka just took on Kante and Pogba. <laughs> he must be walking on clouds right now. And I'm sure he exactly. wants, he knows that Mourinho is watching. He wants to be a set starter by the time he hits Rome. Yeah. So, yeah, I think definitely, like, they should come positive. They should not sit back because, man, Spain has goals. Yeah. I think Spain is going that game. And uh, Switzerland definitely needs to be scoring as well. Otherwise, there's, I don't see um, extra time, but then like, I've made so many wrong calls. So. <laughs> don't you think, and I haven't seen Spain as well that often, I get the idea that they're also prone to those defensive lapses of judgment where someone's caught ball watching or something like this, and that can be a chance for Switzerland to, to get something. Actually, Switzerland have some, I'm thinking of Mbolo right now. Who else is in their attack? Seferovic. 
Their attack is not too bad. Yeah, and Zuba as well. Zuba has been really good. Yeah. For the, I think he has four assists or something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And mention Jan Sommer. Jan Sommer has he saved a penalty. He's saved. I think that last minute chance by Coman in the France game. There was a last minute chance that he just held it in his hands. He can at least help them hold down the fort at the back. Yeah. About Spain's defense. I mean, that was Croatia. So Croatia is a really good team. Yeah. I don't know if I judge their defense best off of that game. I'm trying to remember the group stages. So they uh, they had nil nil against Sweden. They had one one against Poland, and then they had five nil against Slovakia. Yeah, you can see like they haven't considered so many, except for the the Croatia game. Yeah, yeah. I think just the beauty for them is in that midfield. They have so much of the ball, and that's what these teams need to be working against. Don't allow them to start controlling the tempo of the game, because then. They have the Danny almost running. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. These guys are going to cut out. Yeah. So, yeah, Switzerland, the midfield, Switzerland's midfield is going to need to put in a shift. Let's talk a bit about the Switzerland-France game. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in the last minutes? What 3-1, how does in France see that lead out? First of all, credit to Switzerland for not giving up. Yeah. And Seferovic also getting his two goals in the game, I think. Yeah. You know, I think it just never sunk in for France that they were going to lose that game. Because they didn't change how they were playing. When the game is at 3-2, there's no sense of let's play out the game, let's finish out the game, let's control the game, yeah, yeah. let's just see it out. Yeah. They did not They did not shift, they did not change um, how they were playing. Because yeah. even before 3-3, three, three, uh, Switzerland had a goal disallowed yeah. for offside. Yeah. And this still 3-2, but there was no sense for France that this is a game we might lose. Yeah. Let's keep more of the ball. Uh, let's stop trying to look for the fourth. This was like the 88th, 89th minute. Yeah. But there was... The, I don't know if it's the Eagles or just Mbappe wanted to get a goal or something. I don't know. They just didn't... They didn't respect Switzerland. I think that's not really something you can put on the players. You as a coach should be able to say, let's see this game out. If we have to be five at the back, let's be five at the back. I think that's on the coach more than the players. The third goal is is something we're all too familiar with with, as United fans. (laughs) I mean, first of all, Chimpembe. That's one of the funniest goals for me. (laughs) Yeah, I think... The dude to the grocery store and... (laughs) <laughs> like at this stage, like it's such a big stage. It's the Euros. Ugh, that was embarrassing. I but think, then also, like, yes. I don't know. For me, I'm thinking Varane. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Varane as a player? I'm not completely sold on him. I've told you I don't rate that French defense. There's literally no one. <laughs> that I look at in the French defense and say, I would take you. There's there's no one. What people, obviously, because that's what will make the headlines, is everyone goes and looks like, oh, look at Paul Pogba losing the ball and making his his team lose. Yeah. But first of all, Pogba has been France's best player this whole tournament. And if you've ever watched Pogba for any amount of time, that's what Paul Pogba does. He'll create and he'll create from deep. Every now and again, five or six times, 
he will lose the ball in a dangerous place. And on top of that, that's also what Bruno Fernandes does. They make, I think Pogba is better because his passes are slightly less risky, but like Fernandes makes risky passes and Pogba likes to take pressure on. So he wants players to attack him. He plays out of that press, he plays out of that attack. But that's what Pogba does. But the amount of chances that he put on a plate for Mbappe to score this whole tournament. Mbappe honestly would have had six goals or something like this. But once he loses that ball, remember also Kante makes the wrong decision. Langley makes the wrong decision. Everyone in that defense makes the wrong decision. So it is a sit together and say, you know what, we're really great, but we're not there yet. Like we have to keep working and pushing together that when we have a 3-1 lead, maybe it's like you say, we should not underestimate our opponents. I think creative players like that should have the freedom to be able to lose a ball. And that's why you have a defense. I agree. I agree. But all the all the stories coming out of the French camp now sound horrible. It's just like, what are you guys doing? And uh, just let it go. I've, <laughs> I've been uh, seeing stories of mothers fighting. Like that's it always happens with France. I, I don't even. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was a debacle with the 2010 World Cup. Oh my goodness. Whoever um, is in charge of uh, the team's media or whatever, it's so leaky. Yeah. Like, why are we getting these stories coming out? Like, um, I know there's been 24 teams at the tournament. Like, all these teams are probably having issues as well. Why is it is a thing with the French? I think there are going to be a few stories coming out of Group F at, in, in, within this year. I've been saying this. I feel like there's going to be stories coming out of the German camp and there's going to be stories coming out of the Portugal camp that's going to make us and the French camp that's going to make us say like, oh, actually, these guys weren't at 100%. But I think it's also going to be funny. But it's it's ridiculous. Like, if someone's son misses a penalty, that doesn't... How do you then go and say, like, oh, he didn't kick it hard enough? It's like, okay, you go and kick that ball. You put it in the net. No, I, I mean, that, that's just bad energy. That's just... The egos are seeping out of the players. They're going to the parents as well. That, that's just horrible. But... The French are, are in our review mirror, and we've kind of discussed Czech Republic, Denmark. Is there anything that you want to add about that? No, I'm just excited to game. They would go against the winner of Ukraine and England. What are you thinking about that game? Yeah, I mean, Ukraine has had a good tournament, but... It's time to go home. I <laughs> Again, you have no faith in Shevchenko's boys. Oh my goodness, wow. You have no faith in Shevchenko's boys. It's the fact that England, it's starting to seem like Southgate has some ideas. See, the thing is, you guys never rated the guy before, I, which I've never understood, but whatever. I honestly don't know why the guy gets as much heat as he does. He literally could choose a starting 11 of eight Jack Grealishes and three Jaden Sancho's and there would still be... I don't know. What's the deal with, with Southgate? Why don't people like South? Why are they so critical of him? Um, first of all, there's the whole thing of Euro 96, right? I, I think some of the England fans are still salty because of the penalty miss and everything. Okay. And then maybe some people just don't feel like he had done enough by the time he got appointed. They don't feel like he had done enough like to warrant the position. But to be honest, the tournaments is going to he's done well. I, he, he's yeah. going to the World Cup. 
uh, England has they've been playing well at uh, in the Nations League. He's just maybe too pragmatic for that England fans liking. I don't know. If we've learned anything from past tournaments, is that pragmatic coaching wins you trophies. I personally. I'm not a fan of the way England play in general, but yeah. if if you're supporting your team to get trophies, then he's your guy. Like yeah, it should be a He'll he'll maybe make you win something. I think England for me, like you said, are quite pragmatic, and yeah. that for me is not something I enjoy in my teams. I wouldn't take that against a coach because I get it. Like it is a tournament, it is knockout. You kind of have to like blood, sweat, and tears. And just to go to Germany for a bit, I'm a bit, um, I'm not really that phased that they, they were kicked out because even though my take was that if they got out of, of the groups that they would get to the semis, that was based on, on the assumption that I thought the only way Germany were going to get out of this group is if someone went supernova. So if someone was playing and dragging the team all the way, but that's not really how that team is going to be. But for this whole tournament, they played four games and save for the England game, I've enjoyed every single other game that Germany has played. They've played football that I enjoy to watch. So there's some England players who don't enjoy the England players, England supporters. And obviously I'm talking now, obviously not about English people, but they're English supporters who don't enjoy the way England plays. And so I'm just like, so, so what exactly are you supporting? Like, I'm, I'm not sure, but it's fine. It's fine. I guess maybe that's why they don't like Southgate, but... That is currently the tournament way. No, that's true. There's the whole thing about like the attack, like the options, the options England has, and I don't want to say people are shallow, but they want to see all these exciting people on the pitch. But Gary Southgate is stubborn. He he knows he wants to have Phillips and Rice uh, showing up the midfield, and then the fans want to have. Uh, maybe one of those, and then you have maybe uh, a Henderson or a Mount also getting into the team. Yeah. So they, they want to see Sancho playing, they want Rashford playing. The coach has a different idea, the fans have a different idea. There's, there's that disconnect. Yeah, but I think at the point where he gets you into a position where you could win a trophy, you can say, maybe, let's listen to what this guy is saying. Let's just hear him out and see, maybe there's something there. But I also think what I've noticed is that before Grealish had played, or I can't remember which games he started or played or whatever, everyone was like, where's Grealish? Why isn't Grealish playing? Why doesn't Southgate rate Grealish? Grealish, Grealish, Grealish. Grealish is in a starting eleven. There's not even an an acknowledgement of, oh, look, the Grealish is... Where's Sancho? Why isn't Sancho playing? Is it because he's in in Germany? (laughs) What? Guys, they can only put 11 players... They can only put 11 players on the pitch. There's no more. I know your club captain and you want him to play for his country... Just chill. <laughs> Just chill. Let the guy who's been working with these guys for over a month, seeing them in training, um, seeing how they play with other people, let him choose the team. Yeah, let him do his job. I just remembered, I think, in the previous episode, we were talking about the defense. And I think I said I was not too sure about Maguire and Stones. Yeah, 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 back. yeah. I, I haven't considered a goal in the whole tournament. In fact, I said all those five. They just have a mistake waiting to happen in them. There's been a lot of eating our cake instead of it. I don't know. That's the thing. Like, you see the chance that Muller misses. Yeah. Narrative changes completely. And I think there's there's a pass that um at the somewhere at the start of the match that Pickford makes at Maguire. 
and Maguire passes it back and then he yells at Pickford. Like, you know, it's kind of like, why the hell are you doing that? Like, you're putting us into trouble. Things like that. I just look at that. I don't know, but they haven't conceded a goal. So I can't take it away from them. You can't take it away from them. Also, there's also, like, sometimes, I don't know if it's divine or something, like, sometimes you just don't get exposed. Yes. Whether the problem is... Sometimes you're lucky enough you don't get exposed. Maybe Ukraine does that on Saturday. I don't think I don't, don't think it's about luck, but I think it's structurally. That's why I think structurally Gareth Southgate has made the right decisions. Because the moment yeah. you have Maguire one on one with an attacker running back to his to his box, that's a problem. And to not have been put in that position. Like that's something Man, I don't get the Southgate slander. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> don't get it. Sometimes I enjoy it, but I don't get it. Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean. And Rice, so, sorry, the other thing, everyone. the other thing I wanted to add is that yeah. sometimes your defense is helped by having a good attack because teams will not necessarily probe your defense a lot because they know that they can't be pulled out too much. If I think of France, France, Germany, actually, I don't think France played on the front foot as much in that game. And I think they were aware that if they were not defensively solid, there were a lot of players that could have hit them on the counter, hit them on the transition. I think that's also a thing that people are aware that Sterling is fast and that Kane can drop drop deep and launch balls forward. And Maguire comes out of comes out of the defense and plays balls forward and things like that. People are aware of if Rashford is playing, like you don't want to be too far away from him because you know he will out sprint you if Foden is playing so that's also I think a thing that's that's helped England that teams have sort of played conservatively against them yeah I think you do have a point that's definitely true because but then also I think England with those two central defensive midfielders with uh, Phillips and with uh, Declan Rice actually managed to influence the game so much in that it's like the game goes according to the way Southgate would have wanted it to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Rice can, can always drop in and then suddenly it's like they have a back four. Yeah. But then also the fact, the DNA, it's like when I was watching England-Germany, yeah. it felt more of like an England game, yeah. not uh, a Germany game. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's why I said with the exception of the England game, because I think Germany didn't, I don't want to say didn't look like themselves, but they did it, it wasn't what you would expect if you tuned in to watch that Germany team. Although exactly. in a lot of places it still was because they did make the defensive <laughs> mistakes that you know that they will. Yeah. No, yeah, that's true. I, think, you know, I, I don't see... I think, I think England goes to the semis, but I'm happy to be surprised by Ukraine. I don't care for England. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I just want every United player to come home. Like, literally, yeah. France was out super excited. Portugal's out super excited. England just like I just want everyone back for the new season. Yeah. Liverpool. Yeah. Robertson the, he came out in the group stages. Gomez didn't go anywhere. Van Dijk didn't go anywhere. Alexander Arnold hasn't gone anywhere. Mane and Salah. and Salah they've not gone anywhere. Like <laughs> these guys are going to be and cuz they know that Salah and Mane have to go for Afcon. They're going to start aggressively. I just want the boys to get raised. Like Marcus Go, go get your operation, get rest, get some sun. Harry, put your feet up. Look, you've proved Mourinho wrong. Get some rest. 
You know, now that you mentioned that, I did see an article today about how the Euros are playing into Jürgen Klopp's hands. Yes. And I didn't read it, but I'm sure that's exactly what it was talking about. Yes. And if you think of Van Dijk and, and Gomez, they've even had a longer time off. Man, I love seeing United players do well in their national teams. And I think with the exception of England, I'm just happy for them wherever. Because I know just English media just give United players too much. They speak too much about them. So if Marcus Rashford is not in an English camp, I'm so happy. Just because of the way the media treats him. Fred Fred is assisting Neymar in Copa America. Like, that's amazing. Amazing. Eddie is Eddie's scoring goals for Uruguay and I love that. But I'm just like, can the boys just get rest? <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, that's my little bit of I just want the boys back. Yeah. The tournament should end for them. Who do you no, I'm not gonna ask you this because it's fine. You don't have to answer it if you don't have an answer. But I'm gonna make okay. my it's not it's not a hot take, but it's my honest something that I want to come true. Is I want yeah. I want a team playing chaotic football to win this tournament. None of this organized. Let's have our defense in order, and, and maybe if we get one goal, I don't want any of that. I want a team that plays chaotic football to win this tournament. Unfortunately, <laughs> Spain and Italy are on the same side of the of the draw. I don't want any of this cautious handbrake on whatever. No, I want a chaotic team to win this tournament. No, um. I definitely think the winner is coming from that side. Really? Why do you think so? Because I'm looking at Spain. I expect Spain to go through. Okay. Um, I expect Italy to go through. Okay. And I think both Spain and Italy are good enough, should be good enough, to score against England. If England made it all the way to the finals. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's the winner should come from that side. But we come back again to the home advantage. Home advantage, I've been saying this. And we saw it play out. We've seen it play out. Yeah. I just want a chaotic team to win so that not everyone... I cannot be bothered by a World Cup where everyone's just being ordered, organized. I want chaos in the World Cup. I want everyone to be chaotic. We need to stop being so pragmatic, man. Yes. Yes. It takes some of the joy away. Yeah, this... I don't want this... Man, I just want... Fun football from everyone. What player in this whole tournament so far has stood out the most for you? I'll go with Sheik. Okay. From, from the Czech Republic. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, because I don't watch as much of the Bundesliga as yeah. you do. So it was kind of like a breaking for, for him, for me. Like, mm. um, start to notice this guy. Mm. Um, he's got four goals for him. Then the quarterfinals. They've got Denmark. I think he can get uh, more goals. So Could get the golden yeah. boot. Yeah, uh, I mean, Cristiano right now gets the golden boot. <laughs> Going to get Patrick Schick <laughs> to that golden boot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Schick, even Benzema, because uh, coming back from a six-year hiatus, mm. and he's, he's outshone Mbappe. That, that's good for the old guy. Show them how, show the kids how it's done. Yeah, I think he, he had a good tournament as well. And which think, and which player do you think just didn't kick off? You were expecting something from, but they just didn't kick off. Well, that has to be Bruno Fernandez. Oh yeah, yeah. It has to be Bruno Fernandez. I mean, the last game, the last friendly, he had two goals and an assist, and I was 
Oh, after I had gone on to say Bruno doesn't do anything in the Portugal shirt. Then he gets two goals and his and his assist. And now he just proves your point. Uh, yeah. It, I was uh, really sad for him. You could see that Bruno likes to be the guy that you can count on. He's Mr. Reliable. He's the one like serving the team. Mm. He's carrying the team. So yeah, like this must have been so new for him. That I remember he almost gave away a penalty. Yeah, yeah. France. To France. And I was just like, dude, <laughs> nothing, nothing is happening for you. Yeah. So. And so, is Sheik a player that you want to keep an eye on now, just throughout the season? Yeah. Is there a player who you thought, maybe I want to keep an eye on this guy because he, he's quite entertaining? I think Sheik, definitely. Mm. I want to, first of all, I don't know his situation, his transfer situation, but maybe some clubs are going to start poking around. Putting in request for him. Yeah, but definitely see how he builds on from what he has done at this tournament mm. with the more visibility that he has gained. I'd like to see how he, he, he approaches the next Bundesliga season. Mm. I hope a better team, a big team, a bigger team can maybe pick him out. He, uh, he plays He plays for Leverkusen. I think it should be Leverkusen. Leverkusen. Oh, I yeah. So. Let me just confirm that. Oh yeah, it is Leverkusen. It is Leverkusen. Yeah, they've they've had a funny old season, but yeah, yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah, the players that have stood out, they're far too many. But I'm gonna say in general, it's all my Bundesliga boys. Like I just, I I love it so much. Like these guys have been blowing my mind for the past two seasons, and seeing people see that as well, it's felt so good. But I think the one for me. And it's it's weird because I only saw him for a short time. But um, Manuel Akanji. I'm interested to see, one, how he plays against Spain and how his season is going to be. Because he's not one of the big guys in Dortmund. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm interested to see about him. He seems like a, like a level-headed defender. Yeah. Uh, Switzerland has been playing with three yes. defenders. Yes. I think. Yes. What, what what is it about Akanji? A level headed. I don't think I don't think a lot of teams that have played with the back three have played it calmly. Calmly. I'm saying that in quotes. And I don't know really yeah. I really don't know how to describe it. But they seemed comfortable and I think he might have made like a few interceptions or something like that that could tell you could tell that he he was reading the game quite well. Yeah. And that was I think just from the game with France, because I didn't, honestly didn't watch that much of Switzerland. But Manu Akanji, I want to keep eyes on. And then what other what other player? I don't know if there's a player that has surprised me. Ah, yes, Gosens. He surprised me completely, like absolutely blown away. And and I wish I would watch. I wish I could watch more of Serie A, but not really. But I think I'm gonna keep an eye out for him in the Champions League. He he was quite he was quite impressive for me and I think both just obviously this is a Kimmich Stan podcast and I wrote I wrote a bit of a thread about it on my Twitter you can check it out about what this team is going to look like going forward and Joshua Kimmich's ceiling for achievements yeah. is very far off like I think it's really far off and I can't 
see him leaving Bayern, that just makes me even more excited. And yeah. obviously, if, if United were ever to buy a defensive midfielder, like, there's no question. Like, I don't care about Didi or Conte. That is the guy, like, that you get. Yeah. It doesn't, but there's no chance of him yeah. leaving Bayern for now, as far as I can see it. But now in his prime like that, yeah, I don't know how I've managed to sneak in um, <laughs> your Zokimic praise. <laughs> I was just going to say, um, it was really interesting with Gosens how it kind of felt like it was he was part of the tactic for Germany. Uh, you know, we're talking about players that we would want to see going forward. Yeah. But I would be interested in seeing how he has been playing for Atlanta. Yeah. And if they've actually been utilizing him that way, or if it was just a bit of tactical brilliance from from Low. So that, 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 I think that would be interesting as well. Yeah, I think from people, I've, what I've heard from people who watch Atalanta, they do say that is how Atalanta plays. They do play with the high wing backs and they do play a very high pressing game. So he's quite good at pressing, he's quite fast and he's quite good in the final third. So yeah, it's, oh, it's quite pleasing. Anyway, I think we, I don't know if we have a lot of time. Let's talk about Jaden Sancho, who... Yes. Has he... I don't know how many minutes has he played in this tournament. Uh, oh, my God. I think it's going to be hilarious if his first start is this weekend, now that he's been confirmed as a United player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the timing of it was was quite weird. I thought that as well. Yesterday when the news came out, I thought it was suspicious yeah. that, that they had said it then. And that's why I was, in, I was hesitant to believe. But then today was, was the unveiling of their new coach. So Marco Rosa's first day as Dortmund's manager is today. So then I realized, yeah. oh, actually, they probably would want that to get out so that the whole press conference is not about Jaden Sancho. Uh, I was actually from Manchester United's uh, point of view. I was looking at uh, on Twitter yeah. and I was seeing all this stuff of the timing is weird. Like Adidas merchandise is just about to to drop, so <laughs> definitely creating the all this excitement for the fans. And you're getting the kids are coming, yeah. So Chantels are definitely going to shoot through the roof. I don't know if that that's the thing, but yeah, I mean like. But I also saw somewhere, it's really not verified, someone said that actually Sancho has had his photos and everything and all that stuff, like that has all been done already before even the ball was kicked. That's, that's so shady. If that comes out as true, then like, congratulations Manchester United being able to do business in a business-like yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, I think if we if we do get a centre back, then this is it's looking more and more like a season that you can have hope and be excited about. Yeah, I think I said this in one of the podcasts when I was talking about number nines, and I'm not going to be excited about this United team until they have a defensive midfielder. If anything has been clear in this tournament and has been clear in this World Cup, is that if you get a defensive midfielder into this team, they're fine. They're completely fine. And the fact that and and that's the thing I said. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get excited about Sancho. I can't get excited about Sancho because we need a DM. Because you know we yeah. need a DM. But if we don't get him, someone else gets him, and then that's another problem. So then actually I come back to being <laughs> very happy that we got him. And I was speaking about Erling Holland. Is that 
We don't necessarily need a number nine, but you have to put the bid in there because whoever's going to get him is going to have him for 10 years. You have to at least, like, with the, yeah. when a player like that comes okay. on the market, you have to put a bid in. Yeah, and it's looking more and more like Chelsea. I don't know, I don't know if it's all just internet hype, but... If Holland leaves Dortmund in this season, I'll be very surprised and quite disappointed in them as well because this is, I think this is their best chance in, in almost a decade. To go for the Bundesliga, you need an Erling Haaland. You can't lose that many goals in one transfer yeah. market. Yeah, that's true. I, I could maybe just ask you mm. what you think Sancho's arrival means for Mason. I think it's fine. First, hopefully, Oli yeah. puts a hand on, on Marcus's shoulder, the one that's not broken, and tells him, son, go get your three operations, be fine, yeah. and then come back. Get your shoulder fixed. Yeah. Get your ankle fixed. And I don't know, his back as well. Get them fixed. You'll be fine. And then you have Sancho, who's able to play on the left. Greenwood, who's able to play on the right. And who is developing a very interesting understanding with Edinson. Yeah. And, of course, Martial is also there. Yeah. All these players have to probably play maybe 60 games. Obviously, someone, someone is not going to start as often. I, think, I don't think it's a time to worry about Mason for the fact that this is Eddie's last season. He's also quite older. I think they might share times. I don't think we're going to see Martial in that nine position often. And then, yeah, Jaden can play. Paul can play at, on, on, the, on the left as well. So I, what I want to see, I want Oli to convincingly play something other than a 4-2-3-1. Because that 4-2-3-1 is almost like a tailor-fitted glove for Fernandez. But Fernandez can't play as much as he's played. And when he rests, I hope that there can be a system in which Donny can be put to play or Pogba can be put to play in those positions. I think what he's giving himself, and if, for example, Kieran Trippier does come to United, what he's giving himself is the ability to play all these different formations and I want I'm looking at him to see if he can play them competently. Interesting. Mason will be fine. Unless he's like a unless he's a prima donna, which I don't think he is. I, I don't think so too. They've been quite honest with him. In his breakout season, his his appearances were quite measured and when he got into the team he stayed into the team. And last season when he struggled a lot, Oli used him in such a measured way that when he picked up form then he was consistently starting so i think yeah. i think they have a they have a good understanding and relationship and they they know very well i think if there's a player whose minutes are are planned out to the t i think it's mason yeah so i think he should be fine okay so do you yeah. want to do you want to round this up with a a winner for the Euros? I think I'm, I'm going for Italy now. Okay. Okay. You? Yeah. I just said chaotic team. Just chaotic team. That's all, that's all I'm backing. <laughs> I don't know which one. Backing a chaotic team. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's all. Is there anything that you want to add? Um, Is there any spicing? Yeah. Yes, I'm listening. Uh, just... Uh... Something I noticed, um, I don't know, like, uh, compared to the previous Euros, but there's been 2.8 goals per match in this Euros. Mm. Like, 
I think that like that just shows you like it's been uh, um, one of the from memory. This has been one that's really really exciting, and it definitely like I'm not even thinking so much about like oh when is the season starting? Yeah, because yeah. I'm having such a great time watching the tournament. So yeah, yeah really enjoyed, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I I think that's also weird because what I think it's likely because of the fact that a player is knackered and defense is knackered and there's just lapses of judgment happening, allowing for goals. But you haven't really seen a lot of very big defensive howlers like, well, Spain's, well, we've seen own goals. And I guess that's the peak of a defensive howler. Okay, thank you, Kevin, for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me back, and it's it's always a great time. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being a sport and making some good time. Yeah, good, good, good luck for I don't know the Italy. Yeah, Italy. <laughs> good luck for Italy. I'm just a fan of chaos now, so I'm just back in chaos. Okay. Cheers. Alright. Cheers. Bye. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for all the feedback. Thank you for all the feedback that's come from the past episode. And thank you for sharing it and, yeah, just engaging with it. I really appreciate it. And, again, somehow eventually I'm going to figure out a schedule for how this is going to go. And then, yeah, just I'm actually just keen on having more guests. So if, if you're able to contact me and you do want to come on and chat about your team or chat about, I'm not sure if we're going to do another I'm going to do another Euros podcast soon. But if you want to come and chat about the Euros, if I do, you can always contact me on my Twitter handle or before the new season starts. We'll probably, probably do a an episode before the new seasons start once the teams have kind of formed up and all the transfers and everyone has moved to kind of not really predict, but just discuss what the summer was and what to expect. Um, yeah, and what the and and what the new season will be. So if you feel like you're interested, want to say something about your team, um, do get into contact, and we can make a plan. And yeah, guys, stay safe, stay hydrated, and we're rooting for chaos in the Euros. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.